This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! So, so, Aaron, you want to talk about wrestling? Nah. Okay. Well, have a good, good night, night everybody. We'll see you yeah. later. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. One of the other day, I was talking to a fellow that listens to the show, my buddy Roy, actually, and he was commenting like, "You know, I like these episodes now that you don't talk about WWE that much because they're just better." So, uh, yeah, there's that. Well, we're going to surprise him, and we're going to do four hours on the latest TNA Impact, whatever it is. I didn't watch Just that. Impact Wrestling? I didn't either. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do got to talk about WWE a little bit, because we got to talk about uh, Payback coming up this Sunday night. Correct. Got uh, eight matches on the card, one on the pre-show, seven on the main show. Let's just jump right Go ahead. What's on the pre-show? Is that the Gallows Big match? Big and Enzo Amore. Enzo right. Amore against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yep. Hmm. Again. Not a match I'm too excited about. I just want to see... Uh, I think uh, Big Cass needs to go out on his own. I think Enzo just needs to stick to managing. Um, I don't know. Or go to 205 I, Live. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like them together, but I think even if they're together, they could wrestle singles more. Yep. Well, I don't know. It's weird. WWE seems to have more tag teams than ever between Raw and SmackDown, and yet NXT is where the best tag team wrestling is. Well, was. The injured reserve is where the best tag yeah, team wrestling is. Yeah, I say was. Was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, main card, though, we get uh, for the... Because this is a Raw only SmackDown, uh, Raw only SmackDown, Raw only uh, show, but there's um, a bunch of SmackDown wrestlers on there. Because it's like, oh well, this card was made before we did the, uh, the the trades, so yeah, I'm curious how they did that. That were they putting together the show, and then afterwards they're like, you know what, let's change up the rosters a little. I don't know, man. I don't know because I mean, it seems like they were building to a lot of these matches. Before they switch things around. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. So. Uh. So, anyways, we got Alexa Bliss against Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, I I think that'll be a decent match. Should be solid. Should be solid. I feel like Bailey will retain. I feel like. Uh, oh, I feel like Nia Jax is going to eventually beat Bailey for the title, and someone will have to, you know, then she'll be the underdog fighting from underneath and everything to win her championship back type of gimmick. Oh, you don't think that it's going to be Sasha's going to come down to help her but end up causing her to lose? Not this week. Well, maybe, I guess. Because, I mean, if you look at at what's up for bid uh, or up for grabs, that's the only belt that I could see changing hands. Uh, No, that's not true. Uh, Never mind the tag belt. Tag belt's good, but uh, probably they won't. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe one on one that should actually be a really good match 
I think so too. I think as long as Seth Rollins holds out, yep. that I think it'll be great. And I mean, he hasn't shown any signs of whatever. Well, I mean, he's got that new high knee finisher. Uh, he'll probably break Samoa Joe's jaw or or over the bone with that one. Um, let me ask you this question: Like, we're in a day and age now where, like, like let's be realistic. Back quite a few years ago, when CM Punk started using Kenta or Hideo Itami's GTS, um, right. wrestling wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Looking at a worldwide basis, so he could get away with that. Right. right now but now like for instance you have uh big demo who's going by dane or whatever he's going by in nxt using the one winged angel which is yeah. kenny omega's finisher and yep. now you have seth rollins using, <laughs> using another kenny omega's, kenny omega's uh, yeah, yeah another one of kenny omega's finisher here did did you see what he tweeted out yes i did <laughs> at least i still have my theme music <laughs> right yeah exactly um so Oh, and there was something else someone had asked him about, like, you know, uh, do usually, does someone ask you, like, do most wrestlers ask each other if they can use their move, you know, their finisher or whatever, and and Kenny Omega said, his response was something along the lines of, when two wrestlers have mutual respect for each other, then yes, I guess we don't. (laughs) Hmm. Um, So... My question is, what do you think about, like, wrestlers stealing each other's moves like that? Well. Do you think it should be a no-no nowadays? Or, you know. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's been happening forever. Correct. But like you said, it's now with the availability you know, of us in the States to be able to see what's happening in Japan mm-hmm. or to see, I mean, I guess almost the equivalent of the territories, if you will, where right. you have, you know, WWE and you have impact and you have ring of honor and you have, uh, like Lucha underground and all that. Like if you see somebody in one of the other companies, I mean, I can watch 40 different people, you know, 40 different companies on my TV. Oh, yeah. Or or on YouTube or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the old days where I live in New York, I see these people do stuff, and if somebody does a move from, you know, someone in, you know, like up in Calgary or down in Houston or something, like I would never know. Right. You know? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, just look at – well, look at like ladder matches. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, not even ladder matches. Go back even just – well, I guess, yeah, ladder matches. They made the big deal out of Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart being the first ever ladder match in the WWE and on and on and on. I mean, I'm um, sorry. Razor Shawn Michaels Ramon. against Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. But truth be told, at the Cumberland County Civic Center in Portland, Maine, that's where Shawn Michaels wrestled Bret Hart in the first ever ladder match in the WWE. And mm-hmm. Bret Hart got that from a concept 10 years before, basically, in Canada when they used to have ladder matches in Stampede Wrestling. Right. But you could get away with that stuff back then, you know, because it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. It wasn't as easily accessible, like you were saying. And and everything wasn't filmed. And everything was, yeah, exactly. Everything wasn't filmed. You know, filmed. I mean, even even house shows that, you know, aren't technically filmed, yep. people are still going to have their phones or something. Right. And 
you're going to see clips of whatever online. I mean, I remember going to a big five-hour WWE TV taping uh, at, once again in Portland at the Cumberland County Civic Center in August of 95. And it was the, I think it was like a Tuesday night taping actually or something like that. But it was the Sunday before, it was, it was the week before SummerSlam or a week and a half before SummerSlam. And the big match at SummerSlam, one of them was The Undertaker against Kama in a casket match. Okay. Well, the dark match main event that night was The Undertaker against Kama in a casket match. And basically, they were rehearsing the match before, you know, right. SummerSlam. Um, again, you could get away with that then. You can't get away with that now. And I was thinking about something I saw the other day, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but um, it was something I posted on one of the websites about, you know, Randy Orton's 15 years in the WWE. Well, I think that's kind of what hurts the WWE is the fact that they're it now. And yes, the independents are there. Yes, there's TNA. Yes, there's Ring of Honor. Yes, there's New Japan. Yada, 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 yada. But like in the territory days, guys didn't stay in one territory for 15 years. Like that just didn't happen. It was a rarity. So they would travel around every few years and they'd stay fresh and then come back in and come back around. That's how you'd rotate guys through. And... I think that's guys like Cody Rhodes or Joey Ryan or, you know, even Candice LeRae or, you know, Colt Cabana, guys on the indie scene like that. That's essentially what they're doing. I mean, they've they, it's an updated version of the territory days, but like they're traveling around the United States, traveling around the world. And it makes them more of a, a, a unique get or want to see because to see them live someone has to bring them in or you have to travel to see them so it makes it that much more special of, of an appearance as opposed to like when wwe comes to maine and i look at the card and i go oh it's the raw roster i don't care about seeing braun i don't care about seeing you know roman reigns and on and on and on so i'm i'm less likely to go because i see it on tv all the time i see the big matches on tv all the time so right See, that's that's been my bone of contention for years. Yeah. That y- it used to be, you know, you had the four pay-per-views. Yep. And, you know, superstars of wrestling on Saturday mornings or whatever, mm-hmm. you would have a bunch of, you know, like a couple guys will fight, you know, will wrestle enhancement talent. Yeah, you had jobber matches. And then you would have the rest of the time it would be – Mean Gene or Brother Love or Piper's Pit or yep. the Barbershop or something yep. where it would be people, you know, hyping up and working towards whatever their big feud was going to be at mm-hmm. Survivor Series. Yeah. You know, and you would have angles play out right. building up to it. And then to see you those would, patches. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, what I like you were just going to say, to see the big matches, yep. it never happened. So when you saw them, it was great. Yeah. But – Cause really, now, I mean, you see world title matches on Raw. Yeah, like, they're doing it right with Shinsuke Nakamura right now. I mean, the Tuesday after WrestleMania, he makes an appearance. And every week he's been on SmackDown, but he's yet to have a match. You know, they just he just got physical with uh, Dolph Ziggler this week. But, you know, they're saving his first match for pay-per-view, which is right. what they should do. That's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we've seen him on NXT, but who cares? Right. There is a small number of people that don't watch NXT. I think it's very minute, actually. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, pe- 
you know, I, I think they're doing it the right way with Nakamura by waiting to have his, you know, first match be on a pay-per-view it makes it worth something. Yeah, he's wrestling the house shows, so those people that paid that money to be there live, they get to see him have a match. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was back then. Like, you know, Saturday Night's main event had names against names, and the pay-per-views did. And then occasionally primetime wrestling would have, you know, matches for Madison Square Garden or whatever. But for the most part, the only time you... Would like when WWE would come to town, it'd be like, "Ooh, I can see Macho Man against Hogan," you right? Know? So I'm gonna go to watch that because otherwise I'm not gonna see it. Otherwise, I might I'm gonna see Macho on TV, you know, drilling his elbow through jobbers every week, but I'm not gonna see him wrestle Hogan unless it's on a pay per view or Saturday Night's main event. Yep. Um. So, anyways, I know we went uh, roundabout way here, but. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of why I like Jinder Mahal has got a title match coming up. I don't care that it's because they want to break into the India market. You know, I don't care the fact that it came out of nowhere, to be honest. It's just, to me, it's almost like, all right, well, I know he's not going to win the belt, but at least it's somebody else. You know what, though? What? Could you imagine if he did win the belt? Oh, shit, yeah. I mean, because if that were to happen, basically the WWE can be like, look. You keep saying we're, you know, we're stale or we're predictable yep. or whatever. Yep. Look at this. This guy, he was losing, you know, he was every losing week. matches in 30 seconds every week. Yep. And now he's our world champion. And, and you know what? They could very well do that. But the thing is, is like the same people that were bitching and moaning and groaning about how WWE hasn't done anything new and it's the same people over and over again and blah, blah, blah. Well, they'll complain Yeah, they're the ones still complaining like, <laughs> well... We don't like Jinder Mahal. And they put him in that spot? Why couldn't it have been Sami Zayn? Why couldn't it have been somebody else? Why Jinder Mahal? Who cares? It's somebody new. I mean, I, I go back to the fact that, you know, when when Brock Lesnar dropped Bob Holly on the back of his neck and broke his neck, accidents happen. But when Holly came back, he got into an angle with Brock Lesnar. Put him in a full Nelson. They had a match at Royal Rumble in 2004. Like, people shit all over that match but I was like it's, it makes sense he broke his yeah. neck he wants revenge and it's somebody different okay yeah he lost the match in six minutes but still it's somebody different it was yeah. refreshing you know like I enjoyed Randy Orton being with Bray Wyatt because it was different with Randy Orton because I don't right. dislike him but after seeing him for 15 years basically on top or always in the you know always up there like Cena and everything it gets old Correct. That's that's my thoughts on him too. Yeah. Um. So Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is probably going to win. I don't know if it's going to be nefarious means or you know a straight up finish, but I think Samoa Joe is going to win. See, I think I agree with you, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no Finn Balor on the card anywhere. Right. Yeah, that seems wrong, doesn't it? So I I think he's going to get involved in this one somehow. Yep. Just because he's been kind of involved with the whole thing. Yep. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Braun Strowman against Roman Reigns. Um, you know Roman's going to win most likely because whatever. But I think Braun should be the one getting the win in this match. I think he might. I hope he does. I think, I think he's going to go over in this one. I think it would be more interesting if Braun Strowman won the match, personally. Yep. Um, Especially, and I got to tell you, I loved his dumpster match on Raw. I thought it was great. 
I loved the end of the match, how oh, he lost. Yes, me too. It was too. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That, because it was something you could see. You know, like, if you're really thinking about it, there's no way. Like, at the start of the match, he literally could have just picked up Kalisto, Sinkara. I don't even remember. Kalisto. Kalisto's now on Raw. Okay, I know they switched. Um, they pick, He could have just picked him up and thrown him across the ring into the dumpster. Yeah. But he didn't. You know, they're having a match, and the only way you could really see him losing is if he gets, like, that little, I'm going to drop kick your legs when you're on the apron, and you're just going to kind of fall back, like, half a step, and, yeah. hey, you're now standing in the dumpster. Right, exactly. It was done in a great way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Braun should get the win, personally. I, I, I think he will, because I don't think – I mean, they can't keep having him lose – matches i think he'll win this one i mean they've been building him so big just to have roman beat him doesn't make sense but at the same time it's exactly what wwe does so correct um real quick finn balor is going to be on the uh the pre-show as a guest on Miz tv so clearly they're building a finn balor versus Miz match for the future <laughs> yeah uh Neville Seems again- building Miz with a lot of people because he's still sort of feuding with Ambrose-ish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what, Ambrose isn't on the show either. Nope. What is going on? I don't care. I'm okay with it. No, but I'm just saying, you, it's a Raw-only pay-per-view, but the SmackDown titles are the ones being defended? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Huh. Oh, well. Like, you got, well, you got, like, the Cruiserweight title. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? Um... Neville against Austin Aries. I think Austin Aries is either Austin's. I think Austin's going to get the win finally and get the belt. I think he's going to win, but not get the belt. I oh, think they're going to screw him over. Something. Because um, now that what's his face is kind of with Neville. Oh, true. They're gonna they're gonna keep they're gonna keep playing it out until maybe SummerSlam. Hey, real quick while I'm thinking about it. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to jump around, but NXT this past week. Did you watch it? This, uh, not yet. Okay. Fantastic match between uh, Tyler Bate and Jack Gallagher, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, Excellent. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic match. On NXT or 205 Live? On NXT. Interesting. Yes, on NXT. It was for the UK title, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're supposed to be doing that UK show coming up. Like, they're going to record some episodes. Okay. For the, It's going to be exclusive on the WWE Network. Uh, it's going to be recorded in the UK, I guess probably on this tour coming up this June. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so Randy Orton against Bray Wyatt. Now, Randy Orton's a champ, but this is not being advertised as a championship match. Well, I think Bray Wyatt is going to get the win, but it's I think... It's just a House Bell... of Horrors match, but it's, yeah, the it... title's not on the line. I mean, I'm hoping it's not as weird and pointless as the WrestleMania thing. Where they just like project weird stuff on the ring. God, that was so stupid. It it made no sense. Like, I mean, obviously he can tell that they're projections looking at them because they're giant maggots. And standing on them. Clearly he couldn't. (laughs) He's standing on the ring. And he obviously can feel because he was on his knees with his hands on the mat at one point. Yeah. I don't know. Well,. Anyways, this is not for the WWE Championship. Uh, and why this is on the Raw pay-per-view, I don't know, because, because Randy Orton's... Because Bray Wyatt's now on Raw. Right, but, like, 
wouldn't it make sense then to have this match be on the SmackDown pay-per-view, seeing how it started on SmackDown before Bryant went to Raw? But you don't have the Universal belt because he's on vacation. So yeah, now you have belt, a world title. But the belt's not on the line. I don't know. I think that changed. Match. I thought that it was a title match when they first announced it. I thought it was too, but since then they've removed all references of this being a title match from it. Huh. So. Oh, well. I'm curious to see what the House of Horrors exactly will be. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe it's going to be like the Ambrose Asylum. Oh, please let it be like that. Be afraid of this rubber plant. <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens against Chris Jericho for the United States Championship. Kevin Owens is going to win. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. But I think this will be the match of the night. Um, well, this uh, the cruiserweight I think has probably a good the cruiserweight had. Well, no, because even at the pay per view at WrestleMania, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho I thought was better than Neville and Austin Aries. Because basically um, these are two yeah. WrestleMania rematches. Right. Yeah, so. I mean, I think I think Seth and Samoa Joe could have a really good match. Yep. I mean, there, there is a lot of potential up and down the card. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, if you think about it, as much as people want to complain, you know, there are some. There's three solid matches on here. You know, Kevin well, Owens I, I against think, Jericho, Neville against Austin Aries, Seth Rollins against Samoa Joe. And I then, think the Bailey Alexa Bliss match is pretty say, good. Say a Bailey Alexa Bliss, I, I would throw that in there as well. And even Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, I'm not dreading that match by any means. It's just, it's. I just want Braun to get the win, so that's kind of right. why. Um, and then Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. I mean, depending on what the hell the House of Horrors means, I mean, I guess I we'll see. That match, I think, is the one I care the least about on the show. Oh, really? Because, well, and then the other, the other match I haven't mentioned is for the Raw Tag Team Championship of the Hardy Boys against Cesaro and Sheamus. Oh, um, I believe Cesaro and Sheamus are going to win the belts. And I believe that that is what's going to break Matt Hardy. So they're going to win the belts. Cesaro and Sheamus are going to win the belts, and then Matt and Jeff are going to go to SmackDown and win those belts over there. No. Because they're on a they're on an expedition of gold. Uh, well, you know what? That could, I guess, maybe. They're on an expedition of gold. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a pay-per-view that I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, watching uh, Sunday night while I'm at work because I'll be at work for it. Mm. But um, yeah, should should be should be pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Um, Backlash has already got a few matches scheduled, and Backlash isn't until uh, May 21st. Right. But you got Randy Orton against Jinder Mahal, so you know they they got another you know month to build that. Uh, yeah. The Usos against Brazango. Okay, so there's another team kind of out of nowhere, like Jinder Mahal, Brazango getting a win. I, I really, really hope that at Backlash they give them an actual match. Uh, and that, that they'll give them, you know, 12, 15 minutes to work with. Mm-hmm. Because Tyler Breeze is the best one out of the four of them. Yep. And he deserves to actually, like, perform and not be a comedy act. I agree. Uh, and then the other match scheduled for the show is uh, AJ Styles against either Owens or Jericho, whoever wins the U.S. title match. Yeah, it's gonna be Jericho. It's gonna be Owens. Yeah, so Kevin Owens against AJ Styles. Uh, they might as well just so make good. that the main event of the show. 
Yeah, but they won't because they have a world title match. Right. right. That that will probably open the show is my prediction. Well, and so. because Jer- uh, hell of a way to open it. Well, look at the last bunch of pay per views. Owens or AJ Styles have been right at the beginning. Yep. You know, it's it's a great no, way to get right. fans. It's a great way to get fans into the show. Yep. But at the same time, there is nothing that will come after AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens that will keep the fans as yeah, interested as that yeah. match. No, no, that's gonna be, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one for yeah. anyone to follow. You know. Yeah. So that'll it'll be that match, and then it'll be the tag title match, which they'll mm-hmm. give like a minute and forty five seconds to. Yeah. Uh, so the night before Backlash at the same building in Chicago, the. Uh, Allstate Arena or the Rosemont Horizon, whatever you want to call it, um, it's going to be NXT Takeover Chicago. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and here's I think the there's thing. a four-way for the women's belt. I was about to say. Well, here's the thing, real quick. I think this will be the biggest venue they've ever held an NXT show in at eighteen thousand people. Not the rest. What? Where were they for WrestleMania? Uh, Amway Arena, I think it was. That wasn't. That's not as big. Maybe it is. I wasn't sure. Hold on. Let's see. And no, they've done they've done takeovers at no, the, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn too. That's the Amway pretty... Arena it was fourteen thousand nine seventy five. San Antonio they had nine thousand four hundred sixty five at the Freeman Coliseum. Takeover Toronto they had twelve thousand six hundred forty nine, and in Brooklyn they had fifteen thousand six seventy one. Huh. And the Barclays Bar- Center can hold for attendance. Well, it says ice hockey is fifteen seven ninety five. So right, but they they get the extra floor seating. Right. So, anyways, it says for a concert nineteen thousand. So, I mean, if they sell out, potentially this could be the biggest. One of the biggest attended I, NXT shows. I'm curious though if they're going to block off sections or if they're going to, you know. You see, it's amazing to me that NXT does these takeovers in these giant, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand seat arenas or ten to twenty thousand seat arenas, and they still do house shows with like a B team of house show people in these small buildings that draw four or five hundred people down in Florida. Because right. it's literally like these are the NXT take these are the NXT events that are the brand new the Greenhorns you know what I mean yeah um, with a headlining match but they probably sell tickets for fifteen bucks I would go <laughs> I would go um, yeah but yeah if you think about NXT like Raw and SmackDown each do a tour and they each have their own house shows NXT has their A house show which is all the headliners, and then they have a B-House show, yep. which is like the Authors of Pain are main eventing for the tag belts type of thing. It's amazing to me that NXT has, has gotten to the point where they have two touring circuits. Granted, one of them is playing in front of 500 people crowds, but still. Mm. Um, but yeah, so for the NXT TakeOver Chicago, they've already got the three matches announced of Bobby Roode against Hideo Itami. The Authors of Pain against DIY in a ladder match. Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, Asuka against Ember Moon, Ruby Riot, and Nikki Cross. What do you think about them sticking her in another Fatal 4-Way? You think it's a way to get the belt off her without her getting pinned? Um, I mean, if they're going to take the belt off of her, 
Yeah. Like none of those people. I mean, she's beaten all of them. I don't multiple think she times, hasn't had right? a one-on-one match with Ruby Riot yet. And I, she hasn't had one with Nikki Cross. The only one-on-one match on TV we've seen is the with Ember Moon. Ember Moon, yeah. But I mean, Nikki Cross was involved in the four-way. Yeah, she was involved in the previous four-way. But I think Peyton Royce took the pin on that one. Um. I mean, either way, yeah, by the yeah, time that pay-per-view was, rolls around, they she's took gonna, her out on the table. Yeah. It wasn't Peyton. It was both of them, right? Didn't she pin them yes. both? I, no, she. I think she just pinned Peyton Royce. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason they were on top of each other. I could be remembering. Could have been. I don't know. But I mean, she's you know, by the time that pay per view rolls around, she's going to be at like 410 days as champion or 415 days as champion. Well, she's going to have to pass CM Punk. What was he? 434. I think so. I think that's what they're doing. No, I mean it's a different belt. It's not. It's well, not like I, they're trying. I know, but they could say the longest <laughs> reigning WWE champion, and do you know what I mean? Yeah, eh, who knows? I don't know, but still, it's an it, impressive it's always, reign. Yeah, I was gonna say it's always interesting to me when people start getting up in those high numbers. Yep. To see, you know, well, we're so close. When are we gonna have another chance anytime soon to do something like this, like with the new day? Right. I, yeah, I mean, they could have taken the belts off of them a billion times, but then they're like, we're so close to hitting demolition numbers. Right. So we may as well do it because who else is going to come along that can hold the belts for a year and a half? You know, as badly as I want to see uh, Shinsuke Nakamura as the WWE champion, I think I really think he would be the guy that they could put the IC title on and have him beat Honky Tonk Man's record. Interesting, except the IC titles on the other show. I understand that. But, I mean, hey, shit happens. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I almost feel like he could be the... Because I don't... Maybe he could get into a limousine with the IC belt and drive away. (laughs) Maybe. But, anyways, so, realistically, though, do you think they're going to use that? Because I thought they would do the Fatal 4-Way to get the belt off of Asuka back when they did it. Was it Toronto? Was that San Antonio? It was no, before, it was before it was, the Rumble, right? It was. Was it San Antonio? They did that match. I I forget where that. It doesn't matter, but you know the last one. I thought they were going to do it then, but right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's the way to get the belt off of her. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the women's divisions on the main roster seem to be pretty pretty full up on uh, uh, story stuff. And feuds, so like, where would you slot her in? Right. So you may as well keep the belt on her. Do you realize you know? that the first takeover event was three years ago this May? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like we've already been watching like takeover events for three years, and I, I don't know about you, I look forward to every one of them. Absolutely. I look like when it comes to the month to month pay per views for WWE, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe. But every time it's a takeover, it's like, oh, yeah, like fantastic. And, and the crazy thing besides that is, nine times out of ten, I would say that the the takeover has had the match of the weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Usually it's DIY versus the revival, <sighs> or DIY or revival against American Alpha. Yeah. Um, the revival I, is I so that, good. Yeah, I know. Man, they're good. Um, 
but I mean, yeah, there have been a lot like the Sami Zayn Shinsuke Nakamura match, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to think of some of the earlier ones. Oh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. Yeah, the the Iron Woman match. Well, even the one before then, the one at Takeover when she. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But like we said, you know, the revival against DIY, American Alpha against. Uh, the revival how about uh charlotte against natasha <laughs> charlotte Natalia. against natalia at the very first takeover yeah yeah hey, you know what why was their feud so good at nxt and so bad in the I wwe don't know but it was wasn't it like the matches didn't they never felt like they synced up no it was so good the first time around but it really wasn't good at all this this time yeah yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Oh well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think Matt Hardy's gonna break soon. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think to the to the delight of many it's gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, like Jeff is always Jeff, but Matt, it like it seems weird having him in the ring without it. Yeah, it does. Now, you know, it does. Agreed. Especially, I mean, he still has the blonde streak or white streak in his hair. Yep. He still kind of walks around, and as he's walking in the ring, he does say, you know, you can tell he's saying something about deleting. Or he says one, or just the way he says wonderful, or he's been cutting the accent in and out of the promos. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh well. Anyhow, so we've we've covered the WWE business. Yeah. Uh, Did we ever definitively say if we care about people taking other people's moves? Oh, that's a great. Uh, that's a very great question. I guess um, ultimately, what it comes down to me is. <sighs> I guess on the independent level, it's it's what is what it is. But like, yeah, I think it's shitty of of Seth Rollins to take uh, <laughs> to take to, to to take Kenny Omega's move. Yeah, what what I was gonna say is Kenny Omega is a big international star. Yeah, it's not like I'm at Ring of Honor trying to make a name for myself, and I come up with something innovative. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, Seth Rollins using it. Like, I mean, can you make a headline stuff around the world yep. and people know him? <laughs> and I mean, you got to think at some point he's going to be in the WWE, you know? Yep. So it just, it seems weird. It seems weird to do that, yep. you know, but yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's. I can't even understand why Big Damo's doing the one winged angel. I just don't even get that one. Yeah, I, who knows? Because he's such a big guy. Why is he doing a move like that? Or I just. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Oh, well, whatever. It is what it is, <laughs> I guess. Correct. So, uh, that topic of the week you had, do you still want to discuss that one because Ronnie's not with us? Or do you want to talk about something else? Um. You know what? Let's skip the first half, but why don't we go... What are some wrestlers that 
nobody ever really cared for that you sort of were into? Oh, geez. Guys that I was into that no one cared about? You mean like period? Yeah, you know, like for me. Okay. I When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I don't know why, I thought Paul Roma and Hercules, his power and glory, yep. were the freaking best. Mostly because I loved their finisher. Yeah. When Hercules would do like the superplex and Paul Roma would do the splash like right at, you know, timing it right yeah, after. Yeah, the timing was good on that, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. And I don't know why, but I thought that the two of them were great. And they were, I mean, they just sort of disappeared. I mean, they had a couple feuds, but not, nothing too big. Yeah, no, especially his power and glory. No, they, they weren't around very long. Yeah, I, I want to say Paul Roma. I, I'm trying to think. He won, didn't he win the WCW belts with Paul Orndorff? As a, uh, Paul Roma is a, is a multiple-time WCW Tag Team Champion with Arn Anderson and, and Paul Orndorff. Oh, right. He was in The Horseman. Oh, that still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but uh, like Paul Roma... Yeah, um, we're pretty wonderful. With pretty him. wonderful was the tag team name, yeah. 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 I guess for me, like the first name that jumps out when you say that is, is William Regal. Like, I know he was a tag team champion. I mean, a uh, television champion in WCW and everything. But, like, back when he was in WCW, him and Finley, and then later Dave Taylor, when they were having their matches, like, I was a huge fan of Regal. You know, like, I didn't know anyone else that liked him. Right. But, I, you know, I've always kind of had a, 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 been a big fan of that British-style wrestling back then, still now to this day. And Regal's still one of my all-time favorites. But as yeah. um, far as guys that like, like no one else I knew liked Regal or cheered for him or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, my buddy Jay, actually, um, he loved Double J Jeff Jarrett back when he first came in, when he was the country singer and had the light up hat and everything else. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I just couldn't understand why. But man, he loved Double J Jeff Jarrett. Absolutely right. loved him. <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of Steve Austin back in his stunning Steve Austin days in WCW before he became Stone Cold and everyone loved him. Yeah, I I always liked stunning Steve too when he was the TV champ. Yep. Yeah, I was a big yeah. fan of him when he was TV champion. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, Brian Pillman together as the uh, Hollywood Blondes. I mean, talk about a great tag team. Yeah, seriously. Um, speaking of like WCW folks, Billy Kidman. Yep. In the cruiserweights over yep. there, I guess he came to the WWE for a while. He did. He I think did. he works backstage. I think he's a producer or something now. He's an agent or a producer or something it, now. Right. Yeah, but, but back in his, I I always liked him. You know, he was. I guess he was part of Raven's flock for a while. I liked him when he was in Raven's flock. He used to scratch himself all the time, like he had some yep. sort of rash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then when he became part of the Filthy Animals, I hated every single one of those fuckers. So, uh, you know what? I don't even remember the Filthy. An- I don't remember. I remember oh, it luck. happening. Filthy but animals I don't were like Rey Mysterio without the mask, Billy Kidman, oh, yeah. Conan, that was and Juventud Guerrero. Juventud, yeah. 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 <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I was not a fan. No, no, I understand that. I understand that <laughs> completely. Um, yeah, but like it. To me, it seemed like Billy Kidman never really got yeah. the respect he deserved because he was a pretty solid wrestler. 
Oh, he was. He had, he had a lot of really good matches, I remember. He did have a lot of great matches, actually. Um, I really... And he was the first guy I saw that really did the shooting star press, like, off the apron to the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, no one else had done that. First time he whipped that out, it was literally like, holy shit. Uh, I don't think I popped for the shooting star more until I saw John Morrison do a standing one on the Tough Enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Spe- speaking of Tough Enough... Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I like the whole first season. Yeah. I I liked a lot of those people. And yep. um like uh what was his name? Chris Chris Nowitzki? Harvard Chris or Chris Nowitzki. I saw him at an independent show in Maine before the Tough Enough thing aired, before it oh, started. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was wrestling up he wrestled one show with the EWA up in Maine. You know, I I thought I mean he he was getting better in the ring, but I thought he cut great promos. He was and, a great talker, yeah. And, I mean, he obviously had the concussion issues and had to retire. Right. But, yeah, like, I remember my a couple of my friends and I were like, this guy's really good. Like, he deserves more than what he's getting. And the same thing, like, Maven I thought was great. You know, I thought his dropkick was one of the best I've ever seen. Um, he did have a great dropkick. And, you know, what's weird is, like, I think that first season of Tough Enough – uh, he became more endeared to the contestants, I think, than the following seasons for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I, I liked Maven. I was a fan of Maven. I, I was glad to see him get a little bit of a push, and then he got, you know, completely destroyed by the destroyed Undertaker. By the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, well, who was the girl that won that year? Uh, Nidia. Nidia, yep. Right. You know, I mean, to, she was all right. Can we back to Kidman real quick? Sure. So I loved his entrance music. I didn't even remember his ending. It was like a little. It was, it was like a little bit of bass drum at the beginning, and then it was like down, 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 down. I can't think of it now. Like I'm, I can think of it, but I can't <laughs> imitate it. But right. it, it had a cool little like little like drum at the beginning, like, and then it cut into a, a, a guitar riff. And there was just something about his music. I freaking loved his music. And then when he came to the WWE, initially when he came in, they changed his music, and I was like, oh come on, he had awesome music. Why are they using lame music now? And then I was at a house show in Port, at, uh, in Augusta, and uh, it was uh, Kidman. It, it was oh, Chavo and I want to say Jamie Noble, I think, against Kidman and the returning Rey Mysterio. And this is when actually the debuting Rey Mysterio, he was doing some house show matches before he debuted on TV. Okay. And Kidman came out to his WCW music, and I remember popping big time for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ray didn't have any music yet, so they came out to Kidman's WCW music, and I was just like, yeah, because I don't know why I liked it so much, but I did, but I was like, I got to hear it live. I got to hear it in person, and then, of course, they won, and right. I got to watch them celebrate with it. I know, ridiculous, but that's it. <laughs> that's it right there. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Nydia? Yeah, no, I, I like. I thought she wasn't too bad either. Yeah, but she never really rustled. She just she had a few matches here and there, but primarily she became the uh, girlfriend slash valet of Jamie Noble, and that was it. Yeah, that's true. So, um, geez, this is kind of harder than I think because, like, when I think back, like when I was a kid, I pretty much as a kid, you're predisposed to like all the guys that are popular that everyone likes, right? Because that's who you like. Because that's who they push down your throat, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you like the good guys and you hated the bad guys. Right, well, except for... I, you know, honestly, I was scared of Bad News Brown. 
<laughs> as a little kid, as a like you know, ten year old kid or whatever it was, I was le- eight, nine year. I was legit scared of Bad News Brown. Like I thought he really like when he had his match on Saturday Night's Main Event with Hogan, he came back out to the ring with a shovel. And Vince McMahon's like, what is that? What's that in his hands? What is that device? I'm just like, it's a shovel. <laughs> it's, just, it's it's a really crappy snow shovel, actually. I know. That's what my dad makes me shovel his little shitty driveway with. <laughs> Why? He's, that, I mean, like that. I'm like, that could really hurt him. That's a big curved blade on that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Um, going back to answering your question, uh, I think I guess mostly a lot of the WCW guys it falls on like Brad Armstrong. I loved Brad Armstrong. He was such a good worker in the ring. Right. And he'd get pushes here and there at times, but for the most part, he was like a glorified jobber, you know, a perennial yeah. upper echelon enhancement talent, but not quite a mid carter. <laughs> well, that's like when when Mike Awesome jumped over there. He was the ECW champ. Yep. And he goes over and he's there for a little bit. And eventually he turned into uh, oh, was like he was that, that, that 70s, 70s guy. Well, I thought you were yeah. going to say when he was the fat chick thriller. Oh, jeez, I forgot all about that. Did you that. forget about the fat chick thriller? Yeah, I, I remember him coming in like the the leisure suits. Yep. With the that's, the floral shirt, and that he, yeah. He had the yep. the Parker family bus. Yep. Yeah, and luckily that was right about when WWE bought them and just ended that. Yeah. They, he had him, they had him debut at Madison Square Garden, defeating Rhino for the Hardcore Championship. Yeah. Where he came running out and powerbombed him on a ladder. That had to hurt like a son of a bitch. Because uh, it was just the ladder and then the concrete floor. And the ladder wasn't suspended on anything. It wasn't like it could break to give way. It was just laying on the ground. Yeah. And, and Mike Austin powerbombed him on it. Dang. Yeah. I was a big fan of Mike Awesome, actually, uh, in his FMW days, in his ECW days. And then when he went to WCW, it was just like, oh, come on, guys, you're killing me. Yeah. You know, you're so wasted. And then, you know, he went to WWE, and basically kind of there, he was wasted again. Um, and then he had that match against Masato Tanaka at the uh, first one night only, or one yep. night stand. And, uh, that was a damn hell of a good match, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he was good. But, yeah, like WCW, I don't know what they were doing with him. Yeah. Well, look at Supernova. Uh, not Supernova. Look at just Nova. When, right. when Nova was in ECW, holy shit, he was awesome. And his team with Chris Chetty was pretty damn amazing. But Nova was known for being innovative, coming up with all these you know, fancy, complicated moves or combination of moves or whatever. Like, he's the first guy I ever saw that did, like, a, a DDT-stunner combo type of thing. You know what I mean? Right. On two different guys. And then he comes, you know, he comes to WWE and, what, nothing? Simon Dean? Like, I, just, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get how guys can be utilized so well one place and so poorly the next or... or or even just like, I don't know, not be given that opportunity. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's like another another person. I was always like, I thought she was fantastic, and they always it seemed like they kept wasting their talent because they would throw Ivory. Oh God, yeah. Into 
Remember she had that like nightgown and a pool whatever match with Miss Kitty? Oh yes. And you're just like, come on, Ivory, like she can wrestle. Why are you putting her in this garbage? Or she would always fight with a PMS. Yep. You know, like uh, who was it, Deborah and Terry? Yep. Oh no, PMS was Jackie and Terry. No, 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 it wasn't. No, PMS was the Pretty Mean Sisters, and it was Jackie and Terry. And and Deborah was there too, wasn't she? I don't remember her being a part of the faction, but maybe I, I thought know. I thought it was the three of them. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up while you tell me what you want to tell me, though. Well, no, I mean I'm just you know like Ivory, she was good, and they you know she could have been legit, you know like the at the time the longest reigning women's champion or whatever. But it's like, hey, we're gonna throw you into a match. You know, did she feud with Moolah? Hold on real quick. Ryan Shamrock. Oh, that was the other one. Yeah, the Pretty Mean Sisters was Ryan Shamrock. Yeah. She didn't last as long. But anyways. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a feud with Moolah. I think she dropped the belt to Moolah. Yeah, they traded the belt back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And that was when Moolah was like 180. Yeah, yeah. Did I ever tell you I saw Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young at a house show? I mean, at an at no. indie event? No. God, I was at this indie event called uh, Main Event Wrestling. I got to say, I want to say it was 2005. It was at the Portland Expo. And I remember it because I was very excited to go to the Portland Expo for wrestling because, A, no one was running there anymore. But back in the day, like that was the place to go when the WWE came to Maine. They would okay. always, I mean, they would run in Bangor, they'd run Prescott, they'd run Waterville Armory, actually, but they ran the Portland Expo. And that's where my dad always went to wrestling, or I'd hear stories, oh, I'll go down to the Expo and see Andre the Giant, or whatever. And and so finally, you know, this, this league, they rented out the Expo. And uh, we went to the show, and it actually had one of the best matches I've ever seen live to this day still, which was Mike Quackenbush against Reckless Youth in a two out of three falls match that went over 30 minutes. Oh, man. That was a that was a balls-to-the-wall fantastic match. I mean, just a great match. Um, but also on the show, you had... Gosh, hold on. Actually, let me think real quick. This was in 2003. Yeah, it was 2003. Um, also on the show, you had uh, the Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young and a match against the guy went by the name Towel Boy. <laughs> he was the promoter. He was the owner and the promoter of the Fed. And he would bring a towel to the ring and, like, you know, shake it over his head. It was Towel Boy something or other. I can't remember the kid's name now, the guy's name now. And it was him and... I cannot remember the guy's name. I feel like an ass. I could look it up, but he was a he was a heavy set fella. And uh, anyway, so they wrestled Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young in this match. And um, first of all, I was surprised. Like <laughs> Mae got thrown off the top rope. Got she was climbed the, she was climbing the top rope, and I was like, holy crap, Mae's climbing the top rope. And then she was quickly body slammed off the top rope. And it's just like, and she must have been 107 when that happened, you know. And it was just like, holy, like, it made you cringe, but at the same time, it was just like, good for her, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like sincerely, good for her. Like, like her and, and, and they didn't hold back. I mean, like, they were in the ring, and they did not hold back one iota. Oh, 
Okay, October 9th. Okay, no, that was the signing I went to. Oh, here it is. Uh, May 16th, 2003 at the Portland Expo in Portland, Maine. It was... Uh, Fabulous movie against Don Montoya and Tal and, to- and Towelboy Adams. Wonder where he is now. Oh uh, well, I, what it was is him and uh, Smart Bart Sawyer had come up from the uh, Tennessee area. They had gotten somebody with money or whatever, and they came up here and they ran a bunch of shows for a couple of years up here. Had some TV and everything, and then when the money dried out, they fled. Hmm. Also on that show. Robbie Ellis against J.J. Lett. Uh, Bonus Count against Chris Sabo. Smart Partier against Rocco Roselli. Raven against Jeff Rocker. Yes, that Raven. Legion Cage against Gran Akuma. Blackjack Marciano against a guy. This guy went by the name of Parts Unknown. And he hailed from Parts Unknown. Uh, let's see here. Adam Hayes, Matt Lindsay and Damian Adams. Julio De Niro and Rob Echos. And then Grandmaster Sexay, Brian Christopher... And X Pac, or Six Pack, as he was going by at that time, because it was an indie show. But yeah, still Fabulous Moolah Young were on the card. A team I never thought, you know, like Fabulous Moolah or May Young, people I never actually thought I'd see Russell live. Right. Because they were already in their 80s and did. (laughs) Uh, Who else you got? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? what? No, there was one guy, my cousin and I. I don't remember what year this was. Probably early nineties. Yeah. This freaking guy. Uh, we thought it was the funniest damn thing we ever saw in our lives. It was, I don't know. It was probably superstars of wrestling on Saturday, and uh, you know, it's I don't remember when, but we were together watching wrestling on a Saturday afternoon, and the. Uh, this guy comes out with this stupid like mime face paint yeah and his finishing move was like he magicked the guy's underpants off and then and then like the guy was just confused and pinned him and we thought it was the funniest shit we had ever seen in our lives i mean i was probably like 10 yep or so I don't know and my cousin was a couple years younger than me and we were laughing and then this guy never friggin showed up again we're like oh he's gotta be on a, I don't know whatever happened to him Fantasio. but his name was like Fantasio or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that was uh, Tony DeVito the jobber okay. he was wrestling was Tony DeVito in that match okay yeah but you know Fantasio he also went by Spellbinder yeah but we I just think... oh my god I laughed so freaking hard at that it, it, it was just one of those stupid things. Yeah. That you're just like, I mean, it was so ridiculous. It was so funny. I feel and like I wish he, we'd come back. I feel like, uh, I think we had maybe like a couple matches on TV. And then he wrestled some dark matches. And that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was one of the, we happened to catch it. And we were dying. We thought it was so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what the hell? He just pulled the guy's underpants off? <laughs> but I remember that, <laughs> I want to say he did it to Errol Hebner also. Oh, he probably did. Who knows? Or the Fink or something like that. Yeah, Fantasio. Yeah. Oh, God, that's hilarious. Yeah. Can you imagine that nowadays? Someone getting a win by removing someone else's underwear? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
see, I was thinking about like, like I remember when I was a kid. To me, the jobbers or the guys that lost all the time on TV, like that I saw lose, were like Paige Morales, Tony Correa, you know, Buddy Nate, Horowitz, Barry Horowitz. Yeah, Barry. but like, but then as I got older, I learned like, holy crap, Paige Morales was like the first triple crown champion in the history of the WWE. You know, he held the world title, intercontinental title and tag team title. Tony Guerrero is like a six time tag team champion. It's just like, but yeah, I knew them as being jobbers. Well, in, um, you know, I mean, I never, when I was little, I didn't have TBS. Yeah. It wasn't part of our cable package, but my grandparents up in Massachusetts had it. Yeah. So whenever I'd go up there, it would be great because you had Saturday Night Wrestling on TBS. Mm-hmm. And to me, I always enjoyed it better because it wasn't, you know, the ultimate warrior, the intercontinental champion fighting some random dude. Right. It was always name people yeah. every match. And, you know, so I got used to seeing, you know, like Bobby Eaton having matches. Yep. And I remember one Saturday morning. I turn on the WWF and, you know, I forget who who the big name person was, but the jobber in the match was Bobby Eaton. I don't think Bobby Eaton ever had a match in the WWF. I'm telling you it happened. I, I remember this vividly because he was the guy standing in the ring and I was like, are you are you kidding me with this? This is going to be great. And then he got squashed in the match. I I just, I don't, I can't. This is, this might be a blog post. Might be, this might, if, if this is, if I, if I do find, if I can corroborate your story. then I, Yeah, th- I, I have it in my mind. This is like a vivid memory for me. But I remember what you're saying though. I, I do remember what you're saying. Or do know what you're saying as far as seeing guys that, you know, all of a sudden they show up in the other federation and everything. Let's see here. Gosh. It says right here, did Bobby never work for the WWE slash WWF and so on writes, no, the closest... The closest he never came to working for the WWF was one time in the Midnight Express. The Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton version went up to have a meeting with Vince. And that was it. They never signed with him. Are you sure you're not thinking like George South or Buddy No, Wolf or... I'm telling you it was Bobby Eaton with his blonde hair and his little... Yeah. Because I remember like, I think one of the things that made the difference between like... Like WWE would use local talent wherever they were taping TV as their enhancement talent or their jobbers. Right. So it was like every time it was somebody different, depending on where they were taping TV that week or the crew that came up or whatever. Whereas like WCW or or NWA always taped in the same place and they always used the same crew of jobbers. So you got so even like the jobbers became known you know what I mean mm-hmm. like the jobbers would build a following and build a name because people saw them on television every week you know guys like Rocky King and George South and whatnot, and the Armstrongs because essentially the Armstrongs as much as I hate to say it you know they, they were yeah never treated like they probably should have been but anyhow 
Man, I don't think he ever did. I hope you find it. Yeah, I'm. I gotta look, but I'm. I'm telling you, I. It was like one of those. Oh my God, it's Bobby Eaton moments. Yeah, Bobby Eaton was always a good hand in the ring, and I actually hated that near the end there. Whenever he was on Nitro, he was always just used as a enhancement talent guy, as opposed to you know what he deserved. I mean, I think his last big run with WCW was when he teamed with William Regal as the Blue Bloods. The Blue Bloods, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, yeah. See, so, yeah, and then after that, he was just Bobby Eaton for a while, and then kind of disappeared. And then he, uh, they did that resurgence. The Midnight Express had a reunion. And him and Dennis Condry, and then sometimes they do six mans with Stan Lane. Stan Lane, they would tour around there in the mid two thousands. So, yeah, that was pretty fantastic, actually. Hmm. So anyhow, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't see anything. I'm totally losing my mind. Well, if you find it, sir, you bring it to my attention because I want to see it. Yeah, because I mean, he tagged with – I mean, and this was in WCW, but I remember he was tagging with uh, Chris Benoit for a bit. Uh, yeah, he, he – I mean, like, Bobby was definitely primarily known as a tag team specialist wrestler teaming, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, because I, I think even him and – him and gosh, him and Arn teamed for a while too. Mm. Arn Anderson's another guy that, like, was always the tag team wrestler. Like, he was the TV champion or he was – I think he was a national champion at one point as well, but he was always, like, you know, in a tag team. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you know, he teamed with Ole, Blanchard. They had a team with Roma. He had a team with Larry Zabisco. He had a team with Bobby Eaton. You know, I mean, he always... And then later on, teaming with Flair, even, uh, before he got... You know, his injuries took him out. But he was always tag teaming. Very rarely did he have a one-on-one match. Yeah. I mean, not rarely, but you know what I mean. Yep. He was basically known for tag teaming. Um, gosh, you know, I just thought of, I don't know why it popped my brain, but, uh, you know, when I was a kid, that short feud that Arn Anderson and Ric Flair had, <coughs> did you ever remember watching that? Yeah, they had they had that match at... Um, Fall Brawl. Fall, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where uh, Ryan Pillman caused some outside interference and Arn Anderson had the DDT and pinned Flair and beat him. Uh, I don't know if it was a shoot interview or some sort of interview I saw later with Arn Anderson, but he was talking about it, and like it's the most nervous he'd ever been for his match in his life. Like he was thrown up backstage before the match with Flair mm-hmm. at that pay per view. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. anyhow, anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I don't think so. Good. All right. Well, um. I guess if you'd like to chat with us or if you want to say anything, you can always reach out to us on our our, uh, our social media outlets. Uh, I'm at Superstar ML. <laughs> I'm at Aaron S. Bell. And the show is uh, at uh, something to do with uh, the name of it, which is Podcast of a Thousand Holes, but it's some configuration like that. You'll find it or not. And uh, don't forget the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget uh, you can find us on Facebook at Podcast of a Thousand Holds uh, and uh, yeah yeah. don't forget to check out my blog The Rustling Insomniac I write cool shit 
I recently just did a post about the uh, the old classic WCW Hall of Fame. Do you remember that, Aaron? I do. Yeah, yeah. Held for three years consecutively at Slamboree, a Legends reunion. Uh, each year, becoming less and less of a spectacle until Hulk Hogan was there and ruined WCW. Hulk Hogan, by the way, ruined WCW for me. Hulk Hogan did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. It wasn't so bad for a bit. Yeah, Hulk Hogan absolutely ruined WCW for me from the moment he joined up in '95. '95 or '94? I mean '94. Yes, yeah, sorry, '94. From the moment he joined up in '94, that 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 first pay per view that summer. From then on pretty much ruined WCW for me for the longest time hmm. anyhow um, so yeah thanks mm, that's a Bobby Eaton <sighs> what why he was in the Dangerous Alliance yes I know he was in the Dangerous Alliance he was, you know the closest thing he ever came to WWE was when he was in ECW yeah. He did two shows in ECW. And Arnie you know, Anderson speaking, did one too. Speaking of the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, what about him? That cell phone that Paulie dangerously had. Oh, uh, the Zach Morris phone? Oh my god. No, it wasn't the Zach Morris phone. It was smaller than the Zach Morris phone. Oh, okay, yeah. But it was still pretty spectacular. It was, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was a cell phone at all. I think that was a house phone. I think was it was it? A, I think that was a cordless house phone that he pretended was a cell phone because I think I had one just like it when I was a kid my you know, my, my mom did that is because the huh. antenna extended or went down yeah. and it looked like you know I think I used to pretend it was the Zach Moore cell phone hmm. yeah so I'm pretty sure that was just a house phone awesome I'm completely losing my mind I swear to god it was Bobby Eaton in the WWE ring it wasn't. If you, uh, this is what you gotta do. You gotta go to www. The history of WWE, and then just go to the the the, the yearly results, and just start from like what year do you think it was? I don't know. Nineteen thirty-six. I don't think that's accurate. Seeing how the Federation <laughs> was around in nineteen thirty-six. But you, you just you just just click on start with like say ninety-three. That seems logical, right? Yeah, my, probably before then. Search on the page. Eaton. One match. Shut up. Oh, no. Tex Deaton. <laughs> oh. The Brooklyn Brawler beat Tex Deaton. I'm like, wait, wait. son of a bitch, really? <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I'm trying to think. One guy. I, I can't think of a time until, like, uh,. Nitro started that Eaton wasn't seen on TV hmm. I don't know I mean he could have had a, he could have had a match I'm telling you he was he was a jobber and he might not have even been this like Bobby Eaton it might have been you know oh Tod- Toddy Featon you think he went under a pseudonym might have been a pseudonym pseudonym means false name That pseudo means false, and num means name. Pseudonym. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) 